What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome back. This is Real Reality Realness with Sean Ellis Rogers, the podcast where I, your host, Sean, dives deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and asks all the questions about what they don't want out. Today, we're diving into the real reality of anxiety. I have Patrick from the That Gives Me Anxiety podcast here to engage me in a powerful conversation about anxiety and mental health as an individual as well as a content creator. We discuss the creative process of his podcast and how he facilitates impactful conversations about the various sources of anxiety and mental anguish with friends and experts. He elaborates on his own experience with anxiety and the impacts his show has had on his own mental health. He also helps me analyze how reality TV or media in general can correlate to our anxiety, especially in the days of social media. Lock in while I clock in, because Patrick and I are about to get into it. I can. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well, Patrick. How are you? Wonderful. A little, little tired. I, uh, I play old man ice hockey on Sunday nights, and the, sometimes the games start as late as 11 p.m., so I'm like, you know, doing exercise like that <laughs> is tough to begin with, and oh, wow. a late start is, uh, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm certainly feeling it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for giving me so so I'm of your time. I really appreciate you taking my call. Of course, yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting. Thank you. This is going to be a different type of podcast for me because usually I have people, um, well, content creators on who focus their content around like reality TV or like things like that. But I came across your podcast and I'm someone who struggles with a lot of anxiety Mm-hmm. And, and so just seeing the name of your show, that gives me anxiety. I was like, yeah, mood. mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I, that, yeah, thank you so much for, for giving my podcast a, a chance. And I'm, I'm sorry that you struggle with anxiety. I mean, that's certainly, uh, that's why I started the show, uh, because I have issues with anxiety. And I, I should also pre- preface to any listener that I myself am not a mental health professional. It's just... Uh, I'm a journalist by trade, and and I wanted to use my skills as a journalist to uh, sort of talk to other people about their own mental health and talk to experts. And there's answers in in the collective, uh, you know, society, man, that one really got away from me there. But but yeah, I'm just very interested in people and you know, when you're having mental health problems, it sucks. So uh, given trying trying to come up with some ways and some tools that people can use in their everyday lives so that they're a little less afraid. How do you feel about the, you know, with you being a journalist, how do you feel about the conversation that surrounds mental health in the media? It's, uh, 
it's interesting, right? I, I look at someone like Simone Biles, like stepping away from the Olympics and, and the uproar that that caused. I would say generally, you know, the the conversations are, 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 it's good because we're actually having those conversations. Whereas like 10 years ago, we weren't having them. But, you know, when Simone Biles stepped away from the Olympics, uh, to focus on her mental health there was still like a ton of backlash so we're certainly not there uh yet but at least we're engaging in the conversations and you know i i know i had several good conversations around that moment with with people and hopefully shared it, it, you know it's it must be tough for people who don't have anxiety to fully understand right they, they just they just think we're being hysterical or or soft dramatic right yeah. And that's not the case. It's it's very real, and, and we have to believe people when they're saying like I'm I'm going through this mental anguish because if we don't create environments where people feel comfortable sharing that, uh, you know, people suffer in silence. And uh, you know, we we've really tried that, <laughs> and that hasn't been working. So uh, let's try the other way. I think. Right. It's like. How long can you tell somebody to get over it and they don't before you realize telling them to get over it isn't working? Yeah, and you and people no, no. saying like get over it is is more about them uh, unable to hold space for someone. You know, someone being anxious or sad or going through grief is uncomfortable for a lot of people, and a lot of people have the emotional intelligence and patience of you know a kid, right? <laughs> Now, you mentioned Simone Biles stepping away from the Olympics to focus on her mental health. How do you think that we can curate or give give the audiences tools to be more um, respectful of people's mental health for like, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Justin Bieber cancels his tour to focus on his mental health. How do you like like how do you suggest we as an audience give these people grace when you know people have invested money in their tickets and this that and the third and like how do you yeah suggest the, we curate the focus on being more respectful to their mental process and less around our own you know hey we spent this amount of money right yeah well. When we're talking about celebrities, it's it's different because people dehumanize them, right? It's mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, well, I spent this money and I wanted to see a Justin Bieber show. I've never personally seen a Justin Bieber show, but I imagine it's fucking fun as hell. I'm sorry if I can't curse. <laughs> uh, no, you totally can. You're okay. in a safe space. Okay. Um, I imagine it would be an absolute time. Uh, so I understand the frustrations, but, you know, we have to remember that he's a human being and if he made that decision it's probably for a very good reason right like he's saying this thing is happening so with celebrity culture there's this dehumanization that is it's odd that we i include myself in that right like sometimes i'm a big sports fan sometimes if a player's hurt i'm like come on like you know what are you doing like walk it off right and that's part of the problem right and that's something that I've worked on uh, over the past you know 10 or so years when I realized that I don't want to be a barbarian my whole life and I (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah so it's it's yeah it's it's 
I, I think it, but I think, you know, dehumanization of celebrity uh, aside, I think it's creating a culture where we're talking to our friends and our peers about our mental health. Uh, and, and when you start to see it on, on and interact with people and ask questions if you're curious and, and really hear people that are your peers, you can project that outwards, right? I feel like we don't have a lot of experience having those conversations and so we don't fully understand and so it's it's tougher to project onto a, a celebrity who we just think of as these performing robots i guess that's very true why do you think the conversation around mental health took so long to have because it seems like now the words mental health kind of sound like woke it's like now when you hear it it's like now you roll your eyes because now it's so publicized and it's so talked about and so mainstream mm -hmm. but that conversation seems to have happened really quickly and seems to got like over dramatized very quickly as well why do you think it took so long for us to actually even have a relevant conversation on a grand scale about mental health because society still is and and but even more so in the past it comes from like this super macho headspace right where admitting to having a mental health issue number one people would either think you're weak or you're you have this severe mental health issue like even uh, i was watching an episode of, of the office recently and dwight finds an anxiety pill um, if you're familiar with the show, Dwight is kind of mm -hmm. like, okay, you are, okay. Uh, yeah. Finds an anxiety pill and like goes on this witch hunt being like, they're crazy. Like, you know, and that was, I mean, he's a cartoon character of a, a person, but right. <laughs> there's some truth to that, right? And, and so, but going back to, you know, it's an admission of, of weakness that could be exploited. And, you know, it, it, people just didn't understand what it was and what it meant. And so I, I think the pandemic just pushed us all with the increased rates. Everyone started feeling like a little bit more anxiety or, or nervousness or, you know, if you, if you didn't believe in the vaccines then you were experiencing more outrage, which probably caused you anxiety, uh, even though you're, <laughs> you're kind of crazy for that. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just unfortunate that it was viewed on as this huge negative and when in reality, we just need to be more, uh, have more empathy for our fellow human beings. You know, there was something you said that kind of stuck out to me uh, because, you know, me as a Black person, I, will, I always grew up with therapy and, like, caring about your mental health being something that was, like, you know, you took that to God. You know, Black people don't go to therapy, we go to church. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. And it makes me wonder, like, why is there, like, why why was the conversation so shortened down to like mental health automatically meant crazy or yeah. or or saying that you feel off in your head automatically means like you're schizophrenic like it's like why is it like this this extreme dramatization and why do you think there's been such a stigma specifically around therapy mm. yeah i think well i think that 
society maybe it's gotten a little bit better but we need to put things slightly in well it's like no gray area we don't leave a lot of room for gray area in a lot of aspects of, of what we talk about and what we do it, a light switch is on or off so there's no in between right and 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 so either you're crazy or you're not crazy there's no scale there's no nuance right it's just we need to put this or that in a bucket and move on um and so you know i think it is something that we're finally getting used to right uh and and we're having more conversations around the nuance related to whatever topic right um but yeah i i think it just stems from like it's easier to just put something in a bucket and move on um and i'm sorry i forgot the second part of the question was it why do we think that's changing um, it's more so like, why do you think there's such a stigma just based around like therapy in general and and more so how do you feel about the online therapy versus in-person therapy and like these whole like talk spaces that are held and how do you feel like, do you feel like there's a, people, I, I guess what I'm saying is do you feel like that is something that is can actually be as beneficial as an in-person therapist or like an on-on-one work a a one-on-one workspace so yeah you know one of, one of the things i do on my podcast is i ask people of who offer all these different kinds of, of mental health services and so people everyone's different um people can feel overwhelmed as they begin to work on their mental health journey and I encourage people to try a bunch of different things and, and see what works. It's it's no one therapist, you know, it's like dating, like going to an in-person therapist that may not be the one for you, right? And, and so you try different people or you try different things. There's anxiety therapists who connect people with horses and just have them like give horses instructions and, and that like connection to nature and, and just being around i mean horses are cool i've only been around them a few times but it's, it's <laughs> nice right so uh, and, and so there's just the journey can be hard it can be daunting and so i just encourage people to try whatever works for the, for them and uh yeah i i mean some people may just need just like a quick over the phone thing and that may work and, and some people may want a, a deeper connection with their therapist and, and that would mean going to one-on-one right so it's just trying a few things and seeing how you feel and uh, coming out the other side hopefully with some tools that can help you live a, a better life you see what you said at the end right there it would really strike me about therapy I think me I'm someone who's been in therapy since I was maybe 13 I'm 31 now Mm -hmm. um so and for me my problem with therapists is I have like I need to find the right type of therapist that implements action and tools and work into my life like I like 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 you know there are there are therapists that are there just for people who need somebody to talk to Mm -hmm. right and that's great I'm not that person I need somebody to assist me in working through trauma. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, so while I do need the person to talk through the trauma, I also need like 
cognitive behavioral therapy to like yeah like actually reprogram and like give me tools and i feel like that's that's the hardest journey to find like how do you how how do you advise somebody to recognize what type of therapy they need so they can find the right type of therapist it's just sort of jumping in i mean you won't know what you don't know what you don't know right and and that's something that i offer on my podcast is like if you're exploring these things maybe you can talk uh, you can listen to a cognitive behavioral therapist you can talk to uh you can hear a an art therapist talk about their process and and sort of just get like a little little taste right when you go to the ice cream store and you're not sure what you want let me get a little scoop of pistachio a little tasty if that's for me Uh, and if it is you know go for it um i feel like there may be this pressure to get it right in the first time and and that's not the case it's 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 a road it's a journey um and i encourage people to be patient with it and you know you you won't know what you don't know but you know every therapist that i've interviewed has has offered just such wonderful interesting nuggets of information that are really helpful and and so even if it's not even if the person is not for you like long term i still think that there's something beneficial and and people can surprise you i mean that's the fun part about life right it's just different experiences can catch you by surprise and in the best way awesome now if i may ask what's been your main source of anxiety i think i'm just i think i'm just highly strung you know, the, I, I go back to the pandemic and we were living in Brooklyn at the time and, and having a hard time there um, just because the the space and, you know, seeing the uh, all like the bodies and the constant ambulances and, and stuff like that. And um, but even as a kid, I was super anxious. I think someone put this. It's not my example, but I think it's it, it describes it well. Uh, everyone has a car alarm, right? It, and that's your, you know, it's a metaphor for your anxiety. Sometimes you have to break a window for the car alarm to go off. And and some, some people's car, car alarms go off when a wind blows on the car, right? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the wind blow side of, side of the car. Just worry about things. And I also, you know, I'm 36 now and I, I'm... I come from an Irish Catholic background and in in that culture, right? It's, you, you said, you know, uh, people in, in your community go tell it to Jesus and, and people in, mm-hmm. in my community go tell it to a bottle of whiskey and stuff it down, right? And, and yeah. none of those things are, are healthy talking about, you know, whiskey and Correct. stuff it down. Um, and so I feel like I didn't develop the tools or even give myself like the grace to start that journey until I was like 30 and was just like, I I had lost uh, a job and was seeing the wrong person who was not helpful for me at the time. And I I was just having, you know, these panic attacks and I couldn't get out of bed because I was so depressed. And eventually you're just like, I can't live like this. Right. And, and so it, it took some really dark times to finally uh, just like wake up and be like, all right, well, let's, let's try, let's start figuring this out a bit, you know, because this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to feel. And, and 
I'm better for it. I love that. What's yeah. the process? What's the process for you now navigating your anxiety as a podcaster and, and, and a content creator? Because now you're like navigating as a pseudo public figure. Yeah, it can be it can be tough at times, right? Like I, social media is great for growing a podcast, but it uh, it can be extremely overwhelming. You know, to try to interact with everyone that sends me a message or comments, because I'm I'm so grateful that people are, are giving my podcast a chance, and you know, sometimes people reach out and talk about how it helped them, and oh, man, that just like melts my heart. But um, you just can't be glued to your social media. You need to live your life, and so I, I've I've worked on striking a balance, and I need to do things like. I mentioned my old old man hockey games just mm-hmm. getting lost in exercise and just palling around right with the men and women on the team just having fun yeah. and um i do yoga and, and making sure i'm exercising and I, I i started prozac about a year ago and um that has been really helpful i i don't know if i'll be on it forever but it has just been really helpful to, to slow things down and, and make things a little bit easier for me as I uh, try to improve. You know, the process is never set in stone. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly evaluating how I feel and, and tweaking uh, my processes. And, you know, it's, it's complicated, but the other side is doing nothing. And, uh, you know, I'll go back to, I, I might go back to just a blanket over my head, like shivering the panic attack and so if it's evaluating the process or that hey that's it's much easier to you know try some different yoga and stuff like that that makes complete sense i've been doing i've been doing yoga since i was 15 good for you thank you um it didn't start as an as you know something to relieve anxiety it purely started as like you know a workout for me but but as time has gone on, especially in the past five years, it's really become something that I go to, like, to, to, to quell the anxiety. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Let me go and do yoga. Let me go and do a class. Let me go and stretch. Let me go and, you know, just because I truly find myself getting lost in the process of yoga. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I completely, like, that's dissociation for me. Like, right. it's like, I just disconnect from the entire world when I do it. And so it's really become less about working out for me now and it's now become more so like a coping mechanism if you will. yeah it's a good thing well and people i feel like don't fully appreciate the that anxiety yes it it, it, it starts in your head but it, but it's carried in your body right and so you can have tension in your shoulders your legs right and it just helps you my lower back yeah yeah everyone holds it somewhere and and you don't You've probably managed it so long. I'm, I'm you being just like the person who doesn't quite understand this yet. Uh, you don't even understand until you start releasing it that like, wow, I really was holding this weight, and it feels amazing to to get rid of. Are you a, are you a yin person? Yin is my my go to. I really like. I don't go to actual classes. I've been somebody 
who what's what's helped me personally mm-hmm. is there used to be a show that came on the Oxygen Channel years ago called Inhale Yoga with Steve Ross. Cool. All of the episodes are on YouTube now, and because I am mild to highly agoraphobic, I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, <laughs> it just. It, it, it just depends on the day for me how bad the agoraphobia is so I don't like being in classes or groups mm-hmm. so for me doing these classes at home has helped me but like the way that he did like he's more like a modern type of yoga teacher he like plays all of this like really contemporary music and he cracks jokes and like it's a really nice. fun type of thing so it allows me to like get the actual workout in but dissociate and actually just like he makes me laugh so mm-hmm. it helps me like take take my mind off of all of the things that are going on um i love that yeah what's your creative process preparing to record your podcast so i i I, with this podcast i kind of come from the larry king school of interviewing which is for people who don't know larry king uh you know, a long time radio host and, and had a show on CNN for a very long time. And he, if, if you don't know Larry King, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, let's start there. Yeah. But you know, if, if you're, if you're 15, I don't know how young your listeners might be, but if you're a young kid, you might not know, but yeah, you, you should and go back and watch this stuff. Please. So what Larry King would do is he would, not prepare for interviews in the sense that like he wouldn't fully come up with questions right maybe do a little bit of research or or just like a little a little bit but he really just like lets his curiosity take over Mm -hmm. and that's what i like to do i i think i mentioned it before i'm very interested in people and and so i just kind of let that go but what i need to do beforehand is just sort of breathe because I, I'm, I'm listening with every uh, with a full effort maximum effort and, and so that that can be emotionally draining so yeah I just need to breathe and, and relax a little bit um, and just come up with how I'm a pro I, I you know I'll know what the the subject of the interview is and so I will just sort of start thinking about what what I'm personally curious about and and just sort of roll with it from there and I, I always like that because sometimes when you and certain people will ask me for questions beforehand because they they just get nervous and I, I certainly accommodate that but if when people are okay with just kind of going in there and having a chat uh, I, I love that yeah how do you prepare guests to come on your show it's different. Uh, it's different for every person. I, I just explain like what the process is, what we're doing, what we're looking to get out of it. Like for example, I'm, I'm about to interview an expert on sharks, uh, mm. and I just wanted to explain to them like I'm not trying like I'm not trying to make anything scary. I'm not going to be cheap about you know. I'm just going to be honest that like. I'm nervous about I think about sharks when I <laughs> go swimming, right? And, right? and we're gonna find out a little bit about, you know, how do we know that sharks don't uh wanna actually eat people, right? Like, you know, you always hear that. 
and so just coming from a place of love and and joy and and just trying to get to the answers but really yeah just every person needs something different from me and so i'm i'm just flexible and uh, i want to create a good experience for my guests because well i don't number one i the show's about anxiety. I don't want to cause anxiety. Right. <laughs> and, and number two, it's uh, it's just better when you're, as a podcast host, that the guest is comfortable. Perfect. The answers, yeah. How much of the episodes that you create or the, or the dive that you want to go on with your guests, how much of those are topical versus personal? I try to bring my personal stories to, to everything. I mean, not not to overdo it, but I don't want to come across as just like uh, an inanimate object, right? I'm a, I'm a person who certainly has experienced anxiety and depression. And so I try to bring my own personal stories and, and usually a few times in an episode when I'm talking to a, a therapist, um, it something will, they'll say something or something will click in my head and be like, oh, that makes sense because this one time that happened. And right. and so just adding some some flavor and some color in, in that way. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a mix, right? And it's a mix that I, I'm constantly analyzing. It's just, uh, it's kind of fun in that regard that I, I don't think I'll ever be perfect with it. And so it's something to always work on. Sweet. Yeah. How do you how do you keep your conversations from getting too intense or like leaning into triggering? I always say to people, whether I include it in the episode or not, I say, listen, I, I'm I'm curious. I wanna get into the emotional aspects of of anxiety and depression and, and but I realize that that could be heavy. So if I ever say anything shake it off you know push back stay in your safe space so I, I set that tone right at the beginning and and i mean it and i there that has happened a few times where someone has said like i'm not ready to talk about that um and no problem move moving on right uh, i'm not trying to push anyone past where they're comfortable um but yes i i the, the nature, the subject matter by nature is and can be triggered. So uh, we're, it's just kind of dancing along the line. But like I said, just listening with my full, well, I, I usually do it over video too. So I can pick up on, on body language cues if someone is uncomfortable despite what they're saying, right? And I can check in with them. Right. Um, what do you feel like the level of difficult or ease you have in the preparing your guests to come on the show how 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 difficult or easy do you feel like it is to get them to open up or like coming on the podcast do you feel like they're coming on the show because they want to open up or do you feel like they're coming on to you know see if they can does that make sense yeah so usually the format of the show is i'll have a friend of mine who is anxious about something in particular and, and an expert. And so the person that's coming on is, I, you know, I, I come from a, a improv comedy background. And so a lot of my friends are improvisers. And so they are okay with that. I, I've tried a few people that are non-improvisers and I definitely need to be more supportive when I'm doing that uh, because mm -hmm. they're a little bit more 
um, unsure about being on a podcast. But if, I don't know, I, I just think when you're coming from a place of, of love and understanding and empathy um, I, and, and the fact that the person does not have to go beyond where they're comfortable um, you know we ease into it we you know we, we we keep it light I like to laugh about my mental health problems it's just something that I'm comfortable with doing and yeah I think it's fun to kind of laugh at yourself in that way but mm-hmm. so it's it you know it's not as heavy as it sounds all the time it just depends right like there's people who talk about PTSD and being uh, homeless and stuff like that versus you know you know the sharks episode is just more silly right i mean i mean it's real but it's not as like real i would love to know how i would do on your podcast because i think people kind of um they read me as kind of like heartless or soulless because why because i i always like to say like i'm on at least my seventh of nine lives right Mm-hmm. Like, I've been through a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of trauma. I've gone through a lot of things. But I've always kind of reacted to things in a way that was less than um, uh, less than overt, I, I guess. Like, I feel okay. like, like, um, like um, in, in the moment, I, 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 I tend to really internalize and, like, push things in and, like, not really express how I'm feeling about things. And then once I blow, a complete volcano just erupts right Mm. but that's because i'm exploding 10 years worth of trauma that i've never talked about right so but i think for me the reason why people find me is kind of like heartless or like feelingless is because i'm able to talk about a lot of the things that i've been through very openly Mm. and seem to not react to the things that i've been through like i can talk about being assaulted or being you know raped or being you know going through like child abuse or being like 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 I've gone through so many things but I'm able to talk about them in a way that I don't mentally react to I guess mm, like you're and almost people, like putting a, a uh, some distance between like the conversation and like the emotion of, of those things I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through those things by the way thank you uh I think to your point I think it is kind of like I've put a wall between the experience of what I've gone through and me talking about it because I know that it's something that is either impactful in in the in the conversation that I'm having it in or I am somebody who is who has spent their entire life trying to be in the entertainment industry so I, so I'm kind of I'm kind of like comfortable being vulnerable and open mm-hmm. but it's almost like because I'm an entertainer, I have that wall between my experience and what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's almost like I'm just telling my story as like a person in an interview versus me like sitting in a therapy session. Do you get what I mean? For yeah, reason, totally. I mean, I feel like a, a lot disconnect of that happens. Well, I, I, I would imagine, uh, you know, mention your whoever your favorite celebrity is and i would imagine that they view themselves as you know let's just say brad pitt jumped in mine i just watched that movie bullet train uh so i'd imagine brad pitt has like a public persona and who he perceives to be himself right like almost playing a character when they're doing their you know the the interviews and uh you know uh, giving the audience what they want right like something that people talk about Marilyn Monroe a lot um, 
you know, the difference between Marilyn Monroe and Norma Jean, right? It's just, right. it becomes this character. And, and so, yeah, it, it, that's what what you were just saying made me think of that some, and, and you don't have to be in the entertainment industry to kind of feel like you're, you're playing a character or playing a role in some sense, right? It's, it's something we commonly do to protect ourselves. Yeah, I think like I don't like like I don't necessarily notice that I'm doing it, but I realize like I can talk about these things that are like really intense in my life that I've been through, and it's almost like I'm just telling someone else's story. Mm. That's the way that I've heard people react to it. It's like you're telling it like it almost didn't happen to you, and I'm like I don't like I live with it every day. Like I carry it every day, so I feel like I can't have like like I can't experience the full yeah emotion of what i went through every time i tell the story do you know what i mean so it's like i think now like the word that i use is maybe numb to my own traumas even though i've never actually dealt with them because if you get me in the right context and the right space i'll fully experience them and that's exhausting completely (laughs) completely exhausting do you interview people like well well um Rather, what's the ratio of people you interview that just have anxiety, that you're just having casual conversations with, and like therapists and like experts that you're um, at, that you're actively trying to gauge like tools and tips from? Um, most of the episodes are one person that has anxiety and an expert, uh, but sometimes. You know, like the art therapy interview I did, or um, I interviewed a woman who works with kids that uses, um, gosh, what's it called? Like the, uh, it's like GAC or Goop or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. I see it on Instagram all the time. And I was curious, but because she's a therapist that works with kids and lets them play with this GAC or whatever it is. And that's a way for them to keep their minds occupied while chatting about, you know, what's going on with them. Hmm. Uh, Whenever it comes up, whenever I can find, yeah, it's just, I'm putting things out there that are interesting to me and also trying to push outside of my own experiences, right? Like uh, I interviewed a woman about PMDD. It's a, uh, gosh, I can't remember it exactly off the top of my head, but it's a, a, a premenstrual uh, dysphoric disorder, something like that. So it's like a heavier version of PMS and, and it can really change lo- like lives and, and it's really difficult to deal with. And so I'm trying to tell stories outside of just my own experience. And so, uh, yeah, it's just people are people are interesting and man it's it's i'm always i'm always blown away when people are feel comfortable opening up uh, and talking about their experience because it is you know it's the it's the monster under the bed so to speak and it's tough to acknowledge yeah how much do you let or keep your how much do you let or keep your guest stories from impacting you personally like like how much do you let that in versus protect yourself from oh i can't i can't really protect myself from from them and and be a good listener i think i have to be there and hold space and that's just sort of what it is but yeah it does get uh taxing i I do 
I haven't done it in a while because I had to put it down for my own like mental health reasons. But I have another podcast about death and grief. And I, I just think it's another thing that we don't talk about and work through. And I feel like I didn't have the skills. And so especially when I've done episodes of that, like I'm I'm there with the person I'm, you know, I'm talking to them about like, the worst day of their lives. Um, and that's and, probably the episode I need to do with you. <laughs> that sorry, you just saying the word death just because listen, my best friend who was like my platonic soulmate, as I called him, mm-hmm. killed himself two years ago. Oh man, I'm sorry. I still have no no way to cope with that. Like yeah. I like like I can talk about sexual assault, being kidnapped, being abandoned. I, I can talk about all of those things that have gone on throughout my life without mm-hmm. everything, without feeling any of it. But talking about my best friend thing that will instantly break me. I yeah. still don't know how to deal with that. Well, that podcast is called Death Space Filling the Void. I, I'm sorry um, you're, that happened to you and, and your friend that's and that's like there's just no answers right it's just it, right it's it's tough to even comprehend i'm i'm still holding a lot of guilt mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll say that um it takes a while yeah um i'm about two going on three years in um still still don't <laughs> still don't have any <laughs> still don't feel like i've moved any ground on that um I'm able to talk about it without completely being, without completely falling into a black hole, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm still standing on the edge of that black hole just looking in it, versus just drowning. <laughs> yeah. so I feel like that's like the like the baby step. Well, there's no time, there's no timeline, so give yourself the grace that you know, don't don't bottle it up, but uh, do it at your own pace, and it's not a, it's not linear, it's gonna, it looks like a stock chart, right? Some, some good moments and bad moments. One hundred percent. How much apprehension do you have sharing your vulnerability with your guests? Uh, none. Okay. I, yeah, I, I, if I'm asking people to tell me theirs, I, I need to be there with them. And it, but sometimes that you know it it doesn't make sense for me to do that, right? It's it's. I, I feel like there can it could come across as if I was like trying to one up somebody or, or, you know, and and so it, and I don't think I've always been perfect at it, but um, because sometimes you just have to let someone's story speak for itself uh, and not interject. Right. Not do the, uh, the old mansplaining stuff too. Right. (laughs) Right. But like, you know, that happened to me too. I really struggle with that because for me, I'm, really socially awkward right Mm -hmm. so my way of relating to people or showing that I understand what they're saying or their experience is by conveying my own Mm. and my husband calls this Tyra Banks right because (laughs) on because on Tyra Banks's talk show we make fun of this all the time Tyra Banks would do this right where she would take any experience that happened to anybody like 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 somebody could say, I was kidnapped by aliens, held for 30 years on Mars, and then released with a bald head and green eyebrows. And she would say, wow, that reminds me of a time in my life when it's like, nothing like that has ever happened to you, Tyra. Nothing. 
nothing like that has ever gone on in your life, Tyra Bay. So it's like, so I struggle with that because I get that type of, like, I get that, like, it's like, Tyra, nothing like that has ever happened to you. But then I understand that just might be how you relate to their story and show them that you get it. So then when my husband, like, showed me that I do that, I was like, ooh. Mm. I didn't realize I was the asshole here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and I find that uh, asking one more question of of the person and going deeper um, or sharing, like, this is my experience and it makes me think of this. Is that how you reflect it, right? Like, using the experience to, like, help further the, the story that the other person was telling. I'm still working on that because I'm like, (laughs) it's like, hey, I relate. Here's what happened to me. But then (laughs) I've listened back and I've noticed, oh, that kind of sounds a little dismissive of what they went through. (laughs) God, I'm an asshole. No, no one's (laughs) We're all working on it. What's the biggest thing you want your audience to take from your show? that uh it's important to have mental health discussions it's okay not to be okay and uh there's always hope right you know uh, there's yeah i mean that's pretty much it that's i mean at at its base i want people to have some tools to not be as afraid because being afraid is awful and if you are in in a low having some tools to get yourself out of that pit and but always know that there is there is hope uh and and there is someone who can help you and um and you're worth that time what have you noticed what have you learned about yourself from doing your show oh man i i just have so many tidbits uh i i've begun to fully understand like the depth of my anxiety and, and just it this has been a journey to get to know myself. I mean, I really didn't know much about anxiety when, like if you go back to listen to episode one, uh, I asked a professor from the University of North Carolina, I'm like, what is anxiety even? They're like, what is it? Like, what are we talking about here, right? Like what's going on physically in our bodies? And from there to, uh, I have 51 episodes out, but I've recorded maybe 65. I've listened to about 30 so far. Oh, nice. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I binge. So, like, when I, I, I prepare for these, <laughs> these types of chats, I will go back and binge as much content. So, so I am the person that went back to, to episode one and was like, let's go from the beginning nice. <laughs> and just see how far I can get. Yeah, yeah. I love your show. I Thank you so show. much. What do you, Let me ask you, like, I mean, this is a little bit of, a, of an aside. But uh-huh. so in the beginning, I, I like to have a little chat about what's going on in my life do you think that part drags and you can be honest um i'm the wrong person to ask because i'm the type of person it makes me a little more comfortable going into it yeah because like for me i like to be related to so if i go into something feeling like you're not somebody who's like the authority figure or like the moral high ground like i like like i don't like it makes me feel comfortable knowing that you actually have some experience with what you're asking me about versus just getting my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. So 
you talking about your own life makes me feel comfortable being vulnerable going into it versus just engaging in the content, right? Okay, good. So I appreciate it personally. That's good to hear. Uh, you know, it's just something that I struggle with and, and I get anxious about doing, but I think it's, I don't know. I, th I think it's important to like, uh, usually just talk about, you know, things that are causing me anxiety, stuff we got going on. It's just, it, it's also like a, I view it as a way to ease into some things that may be uh, trouble or troubling for people to hear or to talk about that. Like, you know, there is, there's a sunny side of life too, right? We're not going to forget about that. Right. Like for me, it's more humanizing for me because it's like, it's kind of rough to just jump in and be like, hey, you guys, well, uh, well, uh, welcome back to a new episode. Let's talk about suicide. Right. Oh. Yeah. Well, like, oh, 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 oh. Bat to the face there. Yeah. <laughs> I think taking that time to like just, just, just talk about your week, talk about what's been going on with you, talk about what's been going on in the world. It, 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 it like leads us into it without like, just jumping clean off of the cliff. It's like we're like slowly driving, getting out of the car, and then climbing down the cliff together. Hey, versus just driving Thelma and Louise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Thank you for your honesty there. Of course. How, what have you learned about anxiety from doing your show? Well, anxiety and excitement are... The body only has a few different ways of... of reacting and anxiety and excitement are the same exact symptoms right it's just blood is going to parts of your body that you would use in a fight or flight situation uh, it moves blood away from your your stomach so that's why you have stomach problems or it, it actually pulls blood away from your brain when you're really anxious um which seems counterintuitive, but I guess when you think about it mm -hmm. in fight or flight, you need to run. You don't need to, you know, think, or maybe that's why people in horror movies that don't make the best choices because the blood is in their legs and not their brain about where they're hiding or something like that. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to, a, it's, a, it's a chemical response that helped us run away from saber-toothed tigers. And and now uh, it, it can trigger get triggered if you get like a, a work email that makes you nervous right or you have a meeting pop up on your calendar or you know all these other uses the body just doesn't have another way of handling something that's just not as epic as being chased by a, a saber-toothed tiger you know as extreme as that example may be you made <laughs> horror movies you made the entirety of slasher movies make sense to me in yeah right <laughs> Because you said that, and I literally thought, thought about every Scream movie that I've ever seen, every Slash movie that I've ever seen, and you made me think about every single time I've ever asked, why do you look back when you're running? Yeah. Why are you walking into the danger? The call is coming from inside the house. Why do you choose to open a closet door? Right. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and you made all of that make sense to me. Now I feel like I, I, I can't go to a Slash movie now. Oh no! <laughs> Just know now that I you, can't scream at the screen. Brain. <laughs> it's like now I know why you're doing it. Yeah. The blood is going the wrong direction, babe. Run the other way. <laughs> you're going back to like you know it sends you back to like cave person uh, mentality, right? You're just running and looking for a fight, or yeah. Yeah, it's it's the most mind-boggling thing because I'm like, what this. 
this just seems like a situation where your like focus and like problem solving skills would be in like hyper acute focus and it seems like people throw out all reasoning in slasher movies yep I don't but you just made that make sense thank you for <laughs> for debunking that for me I'm I appreciate it yeah <laughs> What personally has been the most impactful conversation that you've had on your show? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if I had it. Well, I think the the episode where I talked about uh, starting on Prozac with my friend Mary Alice, who was starting on, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. It might've been Zoloft for her. Um, that felt good to, to step out and talk about that because there is still a stigma with with uh anxiety medication and, and mental health medication that i was nervous about chatting about and so it was just it was nice to chat with a a, a dear friend and uh just admit to each other that this is what's going on and and it's a good thing and it, it's not something to be i don't need to be held, handled with kid gloves and you know, I made it this decision with my doctor and, you know, that's my choice and it's not forever and it doesn't mean I'm crazy, right? So it's, uh, it, and those are all like fears that I was harboring uh, and just felt good to give voice to. And once you give voice to things like that, sometimes when you're, it's almost like you're putting it out there and you can look at it or, or, or analyze it from afar once it's outside of your brain. And it seemed ludicrous to me at once it was out. And that was freeing. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you and I've been thinking the entire time, what would be the most appropriate conversation to have with you on your podcast if I was ever invited as a guest on your show? And I think... The, because the format of your show is like you, a, a, a person, and the expert, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even know what expert you would bring in for this conversation, but for me lately, I've been battling with a decision on whether I should continue being on hormone replacement therapy as a transgender person mm-hmm. because the effects that hormones have had on not only, you know, my emotions just being you know a person but like it's made me more suicidal it's really affected my anxiety it's really affected my agoraphobia it's made me more reclusive it's like I suffer with extreme imposter syndrome it's kind of made my dysmorphia worse being oh, on man, it's so sorry to hear that and so I've been thank you so I've been really struggling with should I still be on them or not and I'm and so I'm going through that kind of process right now. And, and it makes me really like it, the whole process of figuring that out has been my my strongest source of anxiety recently. And I think that would be the conversation that I would want to have because I could talk about anxiety all day long. Like I'm always anxious. One, I'm a Virgo. So, <laughs> so, 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 so as somebody that overanalyzes everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> my anxiety is constantly at an eight and a half. Oh no! <laughs> so, so, I'm all, so like we could go in any direction with me. 
with when it comes to anxiety but if i had to pick something that would be the one conversation that i would love to have with you yeah i uh that is a great idea for an episode and i i just want to say i mean you mentioned that you've had suicidal aspects and i i just want you to hear that like the world is a better place with you in it and and please you know always call someone you're never a burden to people um and and yeah um but as far as an episode idea that would be very interesting i don't i only know a few trans people but not well enough to like fully ask them you know it's a personal decision right and i'd be curious to to learn about what it's like and what it feels like and and you know i I think a lot of people have questions so yeah i don't know who the expert would be maybe it's someone who has transitioned themselves and and gone through all those emotions or maybe it's a a doctor who knows about uh right like what what the hormone therapy can do to a person's body or maybe it's both uh it's just like four people chatting um but yeah i think that's a extremely valuable discussion to have one person who's kind of helped me through through my transition since I started is somebody that I watch on YouTube called Dr. Z. Mm-hmm. Um, she's somebody who um, works with um, trans people and she does a YouTube channel kind of like talking through all of the nuances and the complexities of like a transition for people who are binary trans people and non-binary trans people I, because I, I'm also like not only trans I'm also like gender neutral so it's an, so like they, the whole second wave of the imposter syndrome that, that happens as somebody who doesn't regulate themselves within a gender spectrum mm. it's the whole thing but, I would imagine yeah well going back to exactly what, what I was talking about with putting you know there's not room for gray areas right it, things have to be mm-hmm. one thing or the other and like you know society it almost isn't understanding of that people don't have to be one or the other right it's it's a it's an adjustment for people and and it's interesting to hear that that's something that causes a person who is feeling that on the inside right like i know that societal issue but it's it's interesting is probably not the right word but um it's valid yeah yeah it, it's it's something different that I haven't really heard is, is probably a better way of describing it. I've heard all sorts of reactions that are synonymous to what you just said to that because it's not a story that you hear very often. You know, mm-hmm. we just started having a regulatory conversation around trans people and then now we're trying to introduce this this conversation of third gender and like third identity mm-hmm. into that. And it's a lot for people who don't even understand people who are trans, let alone people who are non-binary, agender, neutral. Like it's a whole separate thing. And the world, yeah. Yeah, no Aladdin. Like <laughs> it's very that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very that. Um, yeah. But I'm but you know, as like that's that's part of the reason why I'm glad I'm I'm like one of those open book type of people who doesn't have any um drawback talking about whatever because I've been able to have a lot of conversations with people about transition about third identity about all of these types of things because people are scared to ask these questions because they don't want to be offensive right right 
and I'm one of those people like you can't really offend me <laughs> so I'm like you know like I would rather you ask me the question than just make an assumption right absolutely that's yeah that's certainly better of the two choices there <laughs> right making so up I'm some like, other narrative yeah so I'm like just have the conversation babe I'm sure it's a lot easier for both of us than if you just assume something and not really know mm-hmm. then say the wrong thing and get cussed the fuck out yeah what you saying? <laughs> what you help me help you right <laughs> your choice your move <laughs> just balls in your court yeah <laughs> i could i could lo- I really go for a cursing out right now i guess <laughs> i love that <laughs> but we're not going to talk about kinks on this episode no. um <laughs> How do you disconnect from recording your show and then transition back into daily life? Because these are really hard conversations that you kind of can end up having. Yeah, I just need to like, same thing as breathing and sort of like relaxing on the on the way in. I do the same thing on the way out. Just sort of take taking a few minutes and um, to myself and and laying down and just sort of breathing it out and then. Um, making sure the workout is is tough that day <laughs> to, to help i totally feel you on that one yeah um I, I, i'm gonna ask this but if it requires you telling telling somebody else a story that that you don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing then just tell me to mind my damn business but what has been the hardest conversation for you to walk away from um think so it i mean it's not with the anxiety podcast it's with the death one um, mm. and, and just this woman was telling the story that uh she, her her second child died due to sids and it was just the the child died at a, a daycare who like the, they considered this daycare person like a member of the family and um so thinking about the grief of, of the parents, but then the, the daycare worker too, just being like her living with this guilt. Oh man, it just like broke my heart. Like she didn't do anything wrong. Like uh, people presume with SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome for anyone that doesn't know um, right. that something has been done wrong. Uh, but that that's not the case, right? It's just, it, it's called sudden infant death syndrome yeah because we don't really know what causes it so um yeah just i mean this woman was breaking down i i was crying while interviewing her and um it just stuck with me because it just it was just such a clear showing like the ricochet effect of, of how many lives like a one death can can really experience and i also interviewed um i I think I put it on anxiety and death, but a friend of mine works for the National Suicide Prevention Center or something, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm making a mistake, but um, he was just telling a story about his mother uh, taking her life. And uh, while I'm talking about this, the for anyone who doesn't know, um, they're trying to change the language around committing suicide. You, you say commit because that's a, a Bible thing. Um, when really um, taking their own life or died by suicide is the way that we're trying to shift the conversation towards because it's uh, 
it, you know, I don't know. It, it, the fact that it's a, viewed as a biblical sin versus mental health distress. Uh, just right. trying to change that narrative. I'm glad. Um, yeah. I'm glad that that, 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 um, that that conversation is being had because um, within my own experience with suicide, it has nothing to do with the Bible. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's let's shift gears for my last few questions because technically this is a podcast about reality TV. Um, what is your relationship with reality television? Um, it's on the low end now. I mean, I watched I, I watched Survivor and, and things like that growing up. I mean, I don't know if that's that counts. Um, but I also yeah, I, it definitely counts. Okay, Survivor right. definitely counts. Okay, cool. I also so I had a job for for a while where I was um, recapping. American Idol so there was a couple seasons that I was watching every episode and sort of given like a quick uh, video recap of like what happened who got eliminated that kind of thing uh, watched a bunch of American Idol um, also one of my first jobs was I worked on a celebrity gossip show uh, it's on the, the network doesn't exist anymore HDNet and it was Naughty But Nice with Rob Shooter Okay. Uh, and so I got to meet a bunch of uh, reality show contestants. And uh, one night, actually, I went out after shooting all day with um, one of the men who was just eliminated from The Bachelor. And he was just like spilling the behind the scenes stuff, uh, <laughs> which was very interesting to say the least. That is lovely. Yeah. That is lovely. Have you noticed an influx in anxiety from the reality television audience? In what way? Like the people who watch a lot of reality uh, shows, like they experience more anxiety? Yes. I've specifically noticed like, because I do this podcast five days a week. So Mm -hmm. I talk to people literally five to six days a week about reality television. And a constant thread that I'm noticing in the conversations that I'm having and also because I have to be on social media to promote my podcast or or if I or I wouldn't be on social media at all but um, I've noticed a higher level in anxiety in the conversations of like reality TV fandom right mm-hmm. so I've noticed like there's a, there's a, there's somehow a parallel between people who watch a lot of reality TV, they also talk about having a lot of anxiety when they're not talking about reality TV. And I'm wondering like, if you've noticed that type of line happening, and if you think that there is a direct connection between the the highly perpetuated drama that comes with reality television and anxiety in a person's real life experiencing that. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think, I haven't noticed anything specifically related to that, but I, and this is all speculative, but mm-hmm. I'd imagine the same would be true for, for people who are, are diehard sports fans or people who are arguing about what's the best Marvel movie or, you know, insert like whatever. Fandom. Like, yeah, whatever your thing is, right? Like talking about who the best rapper is, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. When you don't, 
I, I feel like you lose yourself a bit when you're spending a lot of time uh, engaged with something and chatting about it online and you start to take things personally and uh, it, it, it could just weigh on you. So it's just, I, I don't know. I, I think that it might just be more, because there's nothing inherently wrong with reality TV or, or I don't think there's inherent, inherently anything like dangerous about it for, mm-hmm. from a mental health perspective. I would just, my guess would be that it's just more people losing themselves and not taking time for themselves and maybe giving their fandom a bit more energy than they're, they probably should because mm-hmm. it's, it could be affecting them negatively. So how do you think that the audience of reality TV can dissociate themselves and their personal trauma or anxieties from the reality TV that they consume? If that makes sense. You got to build that tool belt, man. You got (laughs) to, you know, you got to have all the, uh, no, joking is not, you have to have. uh, They should start by listening to your podcast. Start by listening to That Gives Me Anxiety, available wherever podcasts are found and and YouTube too, if you want to watch the video. Uh, Highly recommend. (laughs) And uh, yeah, no, it's just, you just got to. Having that conversation with yourself about anxiety is helpful because you are, you'll understand like, all right, how am I doing? Should I watch another episode or do I just need to go for a walk? Do I need to turn off the TV today and, and read? Do I need to uh, play with the dog, right? It's just, it's just checking in with yourself. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, like, there's nothing wrong with reality show. I, I see how it could be fun. Um, I just need to limit myself to the amount of media that I consume and uh, just try to strike that balance and, and try different forms of therapy and talk to your friends. It's just building that network, that support net to, to help yourself live a better life. How do you think social media and the increase of needing to put your every thought, feeling, or state of being on the internet increased or is connected to the conversation around mental health, the necessity of that conversation rather, and anxiety as it plays out in in today's society. Well, it's it's designed like all these things are designed to make us want to come back to right, like even like the colors that they choose, um, like the like buttons. It it does something to our brains that keeps us coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, just acknowledging that there's some smart people that know human psychology that are getting us to come back, right? To, to come back for more. Um, but you don't have to have to do that. I think once people come to the realization that they don't have to put their every thought out there and, and it can ebb and flow, uh, you can, you know, have a stretch where you're really into social media and, and then you take time and, and post less. It, it should be fun. It should be communal and also acknowledging the fact that people are only putting like the magical moments on social media, right? So uh, right. comparing yourself to someone else is, is going to be fruitless and, and only make you feel bad about yourself. And um, But also learning to like just be happy for people, right? Someone else doing well doesn't mean that you're not doing well. Right. Ooh. Message. Yeah. Everybody Message. can do well. Yeah. Pay attention, children. That was a word. That was that was gospel right there. 
right there. <laughs> Just because somebody else is doing well does not mean that you are not. Yeah. Don't take it personally. Ooh, that touched my soul. My loins got touched by that one. There we that go. Was, yeah. That was deep right there. We got a root for each other. Seriously. Yeah. And I think the craziest part about it is that I wish we could go back to the days when social media was just a highlight reel and just the best moments of your life. Mm-hmm. It seems like now, going back to that lack of gray area that you spoke on before, it seems like social media is either one, the highlight reel and the best parts of their life, or B, the form where they go to air all their grievances. So any issue they have, any problem they have, anybody that done pissed them off, oh, they going yeah. straight to Twitter, straight to straight to Instagram. And it, it, there's no in between anymore. Yeah, I I am on so I live in South Carolina outside of Charleston and uh right. the neighborhood that I live in has a, a community group uh so people can I don't know just talk about they do the, these little events and and different things that you can talk about you know going around in the neighborhood but the amount of people who are like commenting about stupid things that don't matter it's like oh my gosh how do you have time it, it just the bandwidth yeah how do you have the you're exhausting yourself you're only going to make yourself nuts but also you know coming from new york i just think people here don't even realize how much easier they have it so you know you begin to start inventing problems when life is easy that is true yeah who do you think has more responsibility for the toxicity in parasocial relationships the people producing reality tv shows or the audience that's watching them well i think everyone's responsible for themselves to to begin with right so um you know it's like it's like the conversation around alcohol or sports betting or something like that it's some people can have a a glass of wine and enjoy themselves or and some people will you know destroy their lives right and so people can handle reality tv people can handle everything at, at different levels and so if you're responsible for yourself and have the tools to help yourself um nothing would be uh as as difficult as it as it should be right uh, but then uh, you know the producers certainly have uh a lot of responsibility to make sure that they're telling stories using the top of their intelligence i mean i know you know it's it's made to be drama and stuff like that but uh mm-hmm. just not taking the society back 50 years with whatever storylines that they have right anyone that puts media out there has that responsibility but it just it comes down to you know, we, we have to take care of ourselves first and foremost. And, uh, you know, when you're bringing your best self to the world, you can help other people out. Why do you think people today have such an all-encompassing relationship with social media and reality television? It feels good. I mean, like like I was saying about the psychology, it, it, it feels good to put stuff out there. I mean, it, like Instagram is fun there is some fun aspects right twitter is fun it's fun like to get immediate feedback right if you think of something funny or clever or interesting to just put it out there and on twitter and and see what what happens see who sees it and uh 
um, I don't know. It's 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 gamified in that way, and so it's kind of yeah, it's just meant to be fun, I guess. Um, I, sorry, I kind of lost the question there. <laughs> um, just more so, why do you think people wrap their entire lives in reality TV and or social media? Like, why is it people's entire lot, mm. their entire lives, instead of just an avenue for expression or a moment for entertainment why is it like people's entire existences well it's another way of if, if you're doing well on instagram you must be doing well in life right that's a it's a an incorrect way of perceiving social media in my if opinion. you ask an algorithm that yeah exactly so uh yeah i i, I just think well number one i think that life can be very boring unless you fill it with things that are interesting and and it's an easy way to to fill time to spend a lot of time on on social media um and yeah i i do think a, a bit of it is you know if i'm doing well here i must be i must be important i must be interesting i must be creative right it says something about me that i could be doing well on this platform that makes sense how do you navigate social media in a way that is both productive and positive for you? I take breaks. I used to have when I when I worked um, in in some news jobs. I social media was causing me to have mental breakdowns because you'd get handed down a story. I've told this story a bunch of times, possibly on, on podcasts and certainly on other people's podcasts. But I think it is an important story to share. It, it, I would have jobs where you'd get assigned a story and you'd have to tell it. And if you, if the story that you were assigned didn't get X amount of views or clicks or likes, you'd be reprimanded. And so I would just make my content throughout the day, go home and then just be glued to my phone, worried and refreshing whatever platform I, I had produced for. And that's painful and it's exhausting. And so now my relationship with social media is, you know, I, um, I post a, like, four times a week five times a week on on that gives me anxiety but my personal uh, not very often um only when i have something that i'm super excited about like i just I posted some pictures of a, a hike i went on in utah which was it was nice. just so beautiful that yeah i just it is also nice i view my own personal instagram as sort of just like a like a uh what's it just like a photo album and i like to go back yeah. and reflect on my life and you know so i view it more as like a holding place for, for pictures that it's like a curated version for myself so that perspective changes it a bit for me i love that because that's kind of how my social media is like my my personal one is semi-barren and it's just a collection of selfies i think are that that i thought were cute that day and <laughs> And like I've started to like, like I started out when I started this, this podcast trying to post on both, but I find now my entire social media presence is me going, posting a new episode, posting a story, maybe saying something impactful about pop culture news. Like I've had a lot to say about Kanye West recently mm -hmm. and, and how his actions gave me a greater view on how racist America really is. Uh, but... Uh, 
but yeah, like when it comes to my own personal social media, I don't like I like I go back I could have noticed, oh, I haven't posted on my own page in a month. <laughs> I just yeah. Because like if I didn't like if I didn't have this podcast to promote my show on, like I would not have have social media. Like I would not be on social media. Except maybe Twitter, but now they done put me off of there completely because I talk <laughs> too real over there. They don't like me over there, especially now that Elon is taking over. Shout yeah. out to y'all over there. But that is no longer my business, so I will refrain from bringing up the bird app. Now, <laughs> um, I agree. Like, I think that, you know, that's kind of what I mean by I wish that social media could go back to just being a highlight reel or like a scrapbook of the best times of your life instead of it being the place where you go to talk about who done pissed you off today Mm -hmm. yeah that's why you need therapist or a friend (laughs) to to not post about it yeah it's it's i don't know because then it's like i mean not that this is always the case but people start judging you uh when you start doing that and you know, most people get jobs through their friend network, and it's like, are you going to hire that person? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And then, you know, I went through a phase, personally, where I found myself being very guarded about what I posted on social media, because I am somebody who's trying to work in entertainment. I also found, like, are people going to judge me by being this open and this vulnerable on social media? Like, are people going to look at me as weak? Are people going to look at me like I'm, like I can't get a job done? Are people going to look at me like I can't show up to set and do my job? And like, like, how does what I, like, like, how does my openness and vulnerability on social media make me look? Like, because like, I want to be relatable and I want to be somebody that people feel safe, safe engaging with, but then I also don't want to look like a basket case than like somebody who's uninsurable do you know what i'm saying oh yeah and and different people will will write that that the answer is different uh, depending on who the viewer is right different people have different tolerance levels uh for for such things yeah because some people will look at that and be like wow they're so they're so open they're so vulnerable one thing i do hate is when um people will be like oh you're so brave i'm like oh oh fuck off (laughs) <laughs> but the word brave just aggravates me. I don't know why, but, but I'm like, girl, it's not my girl. It's just, it's girl, whatever. It's been overused a little bit. Yeah. It's losing its yes. meaning a little bit. Yeah. Like to me, like hearing brave is like being called woke. I'm like, oh, piss off. <laughs> my girl. No, I'm not. I'm not woke. I, I, I'm socially aware. I'm not woke. But go off <laughs> this. Anyway. Um, how do you suggest other people balance personal expression with parasocial toxicity? It, yeah, it, it, I, it comes back to what I, what I, what I said earlier. I think about making sure you're taking care of yourself first and foremost. It's like you, you got to eat your vegetables, and in this case, that's a metaphor <laughs> for taking logging off yeah logging off having some time away and and you know it's just uh, you you can't have 40 beers a day right that's right you you can't bet your mortgage away you can't 
you know, just constantly be smoking weed, right? You, you got to pick your spots. And so if you're not feeling well, it's not the right time. You, you would only know that if you were uh, having those conversations with yourself on a daily basis. What do you think production companies and reality stars can do to circumvent the pressures of social engagement when it comes to reality TV? Oh man, they're not going to. They, they, yeah. Because it would affect their bottom line. It would affect their bottom line. Engagement is good uh, for them and, and their business model. So not don't expect them to, I guess. <laughs> they're just, like, yeah. The advertisers, not. <laughs> yeah, the advertisers expect a certain amount of uh, eyeballs and they're going to deliver it either through the TV or, or their social networks. And that's just, that's, it is what it is. My last two questions for you are, why do you think people don't prioritize mental health as much as physical health? And how do you suggest people start to realign those two things yeah it's uh, it's interesting i had a psychologist who said you know you go see a dentist twice a year or or you should but um it's not part of a a mental or it's not part of a a health plan to go even do once a year with a mental health counselor right it's just our, our health insurance in the united states is a bit of a joke in that regard that we don't make just that yeah so it's you know not that it's a dentist is not important i mean you know of course you want to keep those teeth in your mouth right so we go see the dentist but you know your your brain is your brain exactly (laughs) that's what i mean like that's what i mean it's like we prioritize going to the gym going to the dentist going to get a physical going to do this going to get a mammogram going to get your prostate check mind you you should be doing all of these things go get a colonic have at it but if your brain ain't right ain't none of this gonna fall in line under that right mm-hmm. like if your mind ain't right your life ain't right hey, so why is put it on a bumper sticker you, you know I'm just saying <laughs> so why can't so why is like going to get your brain checked out not as important as going to get your cavities checked out right yeah it's crazy it's 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 unbelievable how do you Uh, suggest we start that conversation like without without putting people in a place to think that we're calling them crazy because like we said before for some reason here in america going to a therapist means your ass is crazy yeah well and i don't know what that means I think it's just talking about it. I think it's talking about it in our friend groups. And um, you'd be surprised when you start talking about it, people will pull you aside and be like, yeah, that, you know, that's going on with me too. What do you think, right? What what should I do? What should I try? Uh, That's happened to me a lot of times. And and yeah, so I I just just think it starts in a peer to peer level and uh, it, it may make people uncomfortable, but I, I just think that that's like them dipping their toes in the pool and then the next time that they hear it you know they'll put their foot in and uh, they'll start to consider it for themselves and that's just how we bring about change on a uh, on a countrywide level it just just starts with actually talking about our, our issues and uh, being ready to listen to other people Hi. 
Now I know I said that that was my last question, but I do have one more question. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause no. you just made me think about something very important. How do you think that we can start a conversation that validates but also separates religion from mental health practices? Because if you remember what I said earlier, black people don't go to therapy, they go to church, which mm. I think is crazy as shit. But that's a whole nother conversation. How do you think we separate the conversation of therapy from religion without um, without disrespecting one or or validating religious practices while also eh, while while also eh, eh, emphasizing the importance of taking care of your mental health outside of just leaving it at the altar, if you will. So. Uh, the the question is a little bit tricky for me to answer because uh, I myself am, am not religious and and I neither am I. I don't judge anyone that that is. You know, if that's where you find your peace, like that's wonderful. I, you know, I know I have family members that are very religious, and and that brings them great peace, and and that's beautiful to see. Um, so it's it is it's inherently separated for me and. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know if I could offer a, a good enough answer because it's it's not something that I myself have able to, to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe religious leaders themselves actually becoming open to the fact that uh, that might be something good, right? Like if they're up in the pulpit saying, you know, if you're experiencing this, you know, talk to somebody, right? Um, uh, that. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, that's not a cop out, but yeah, just, it, just oh, it's all everybody. good. Yeah, because people are quick to say God made doctors, but won't say God made a therapist. So I, so I don't understand that. And as somebody who's more spiritual than religious, I just like I have, like I try to have those conversations because I'm like, listen, I all the life lessons that people claim to try to shove down my throat with, with religion and you know scriptures i've learned through life experience so the same lesson y'all learned in church i i learned in life so yeah. i can't connect those two things but i do know that my mental health is extremely important and i don't get that from the the um, church i get that from here but i'm also not trying to disrespect your faith because that's you it, yeah exactly if that's what helps you fine but i think that a lot of the time those conversations lead into one be like one trying to make one the authority figure over the other and discredit the validity of the other so it's like my thing is how do we have that that like conversation that's like look listen religion ain't my thing but i'm not trying to say god don't exist by telling you to tuck your ass to a therapy right yeah Uh, and i think that just stems with the individual uh whether or not they're able to to hear that and you know some people will find offense in anything that you say so uh you know you can try to help people but people may not be ready to hear it word so i'm gonna just leave your answer on let them figure it out for for they damn self (laughs) in nicer terms but yes (laughs) sounds good enough for me (laughs) (laughs) but anyway thank you so much this has been an amazing 
an amazing conversation. I appreciate yeah. you so much for giving me your time. Thank you so much for for inviting me. And yeah, we'll we'll connect. And and I'd love to do the episode that you're talking about about um, transitioning and uh, the anxiety that that can cause and the self doubt that it seemingly causes. I'd love to. You know where to find me. Um, yeah, we can make this. Just um, when you have the um time and you're scared, and you're working that out, let me know and we'll figure it out. Sounds good. Awesome. Let the people know where they can find you, find your podcast, find the social media that you do interact on. Sure. Um, personally, I'm on um, the social media handles uh, for for Patrick Jones at Patrick underscore E underscore Jones that gives me anxiety podcast where wherever you get your podcasts or you can go to that gives me anxiety.com to see the you know if you're new to podcasts but you're already listening to a podcast so i assume you're you know what you're doing uh you can also go on I would hope so. yeah <laughs> yeah uh also on youtube that gives me anxiety podcast and uh and yeah make sure you guys go and check this guy out he is incredible. He not only has an amazing speaking voice that is infectious, but the content that he puts out is also just as amazing. I highly recommend. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your day, and we will most certainly talk soon. Sounds good. You too. Thank you. Bye, love. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, that was my conversation with Patrick Jones from That Gives Me Anxiety. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. But more importantly, I hope you guys took something from this conversation. You know, anxiety is such a more prevalent conversation when it comes to mental health and the way that we all process as human beings in this country today. And I hope that this podcast and this conversation and Patrick Jones and his platform allow you another space to feel like you're heard and feel like you're not alone when it comes to the anxiety and the stresses and the pressures of the world. Because nobody is truly that unique and we all have things that we're going through and we all have things that bother us and Usually, we're not the only one. So I hope that this episode of my podcast gave you some warmth and some feelings of, I don't know, feelings of community and understanding. And I hope that Patrick's podcast just furthers that conversation for you and helps you dive into your own mental health and your own processes in ways that you can help yourself grow, especially in times like this. Make sure you're subscribed and make sure you follow Patrick. And on that note, make sure you guys are following this podcast, Real Reality Realness, my sister podcast, Housewives History. And make sure you guys stay tuned because I have some announcements coming up for this show and about the things that I have coming up in the near future. So stay tuned for some big announcements because we're getting ready to have a lot more fun in the reality TV space. So, with that being said, I hope you guys 
took as much from this as I did. I hope that you guys continue to listen to Patrick's podcast because as much as I want you to listen to this podcast, I want you to listen to Patrick's as well because I feel like the conversations that have happened on his show have truly benefited me as a person, especially as somebody who suffers from really like heavy, heavy, heavy bouts with anxiety. And I think that that show will also curate some real understanding for you as well, or at least open a door for you to go and find it. So make sure you guys be real, stay in reality, and always bring the realness. I love every single one of you from the bottom of my green heart emoji. I am Sean Ellis Rogers. This has been Real Reality Realness. And until next episode, love you. Bye. Peace.